My name is Paul Caruana Galizia, and this is the fourth and final episode of my mother's murder. There have been more times than I care to remember when justice for my mother and her work seemed close, but were soon crushed. The characters we've heard so much about, the Prime Minister's Chief of Staff, Keith Cambry, his minister, Konrad Mitzi, and the oligarch, Jorgen Fenech, have withstood so much, some of the most serious crimes. How? Joseph Muscat had been protecting them ever since my mother revealed their corruption. And he continued to protect them at great personal cost. Until, until one extraordinary week in November 2019, when Jorgen Fenech was caught trying to flee the country on his yacht, only a few hours after my producer Gary and I had landed on the island. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We heard that Jorgen Fenech's yacht had been towed back to Porto Maso, the private marina that his family had built. We headed there to see it for ourselves. We wondered how close to his yacht we could get and it turns out we can walk right up to it. And there's just a single police officer sitting beside it, but it's there in plain sight and it's perfectly quiet. And it's almost as though nothing ever happened here this morning. And the striking thing about this place is just how completely awash with money it is and there are just yachts and really flashy apartments everywhere and it's so strange to think that he chose this life when he already had more than most people could ever dream of. It remains a mystery to me why Jorgen Fenech, who controlled assets worth hundreds of millions of euros, by the time he was in his early 30s, chose a life of crime. In any case, like the rest of his family, he chose to deploy that wealth strategically. Through donations and gifts like expensive wine, football tickets and gold watches, the Fenech family's influence over our governing class grew. Jorgen Fenech in particular was so closely bound up with Muscat's government that his arrest that morning could only mean one thing. This goes right to the heart of Muscat's government. On our way back to Valletta from Porto Maso, I was receiving message after message, call after call. In people's minds, the picture had already formed. This wasn't simply the arrest of a very powerful businessman. This was political. And when we got back to Valletta, we saw that a protest was building right outside the Prime Minister's office. 
An activist was standing outside Muscat's front door, saying the Prime Minister has blood on his hands, blood on his hands. He then called for us to go to the memorial to my mother, just down Republic Street. But people were in no mood for it. They were angry. It's a particular moment. History is being written. Time will pass and they will look back. With, you know. As the crowd was walking down Republic Street, reluctantly but clearly angry, one activist shouted out, they're in Parliament. Muscat's MPs are in Parliament. We went, and what a thing it was. So the government MPs are leaving Parliament at the moment, and people are shouting out, Parap, 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 out, It became clear just how unprepared they were and how unprepared the police force was. There were no extra officers there to guide MPs out of the building. The crowd kept moving in, closer and closer, up until it got right near the parliament building entrance. And the crowd grew louder and angrier, started chanting more vociferously that the MPs are assassins, that they're mafia and that they're corrupt. The boiling point came when Justice Minister Owen Bonici emerged from the Parliament building. So there's um, a crowd of people um, stopping the Justice Minister's car from leaving Parliament. And they've crowded, crowded around his car and they're hitting it and shouting out Korah, Mafia. Get out. Not only is Owen Bonici responsible for justice in Malta, his department is also responsible for clearing the memorial to my mother, which he did every single day. And now a group of people have sat down uh, blocking the road, leading away from Parliament to stop the Justice Minister from leaving. Still people are kicking, kicking at the bar, um, kicking it, kicking it, shouting mafia. I've never seen people so angry, so worked up that they turned themselves in front of a cabinet minister's car to stop him from leaving parliament. I mean, it's a, it is extraordinary. He's sitting in that car at the moment, unable to leave. Eventually, Owen Bonici's car was allowed to leave, and the crowd gradually dispersed. On my way home that night, I was still coming to terms with what had just happened. Malta had never seen anything like it. Within the space of 24 hours, the country had already gone through so much, and then it ended the day with a display of public anger unlike anything I had ever seen in my life. The following day, I met Tina Urso, who set up an anti-corruption group called Il Canessa, or The Sweepers. You're going to ask a question or shall I just go into it? You can just start, yeah. Okay. Tina so set up the group morning, in the wake of the uh, Panama Papers. The news published that there was a prime suspect in Daphne Caruana Galizia's assassination, who they arrested. And I think... It was the first time in two years that people sort of maybe saw a light at the end of the tunnel. 
there was just a lot of anger and frustration with the news and people just needed to let it out. We were initially only five people outside Parliament and we just went to the five of us and started screaming off the top of our lungs. I heard you shout to Parliament. <laughs> Come to Parliament! <laughs> yeah. Yes, so you were already there. So we were already there and there were only three policemen over there who came to speak to us and said, I will have to arrest you if you keep disturbing public peace. And thankfully, about six minutes later, as this policeman was on the phone with someone, we just see a flood of people arriving. And thank God that happened, because I remember at a point I just turned around towards all the people and I literally said, you know, if you leave people on their own, they're going to get arrested for shouting. If we all shout, they're not going to arrest 600 people. So then what happened? And everyone just started screaming and shouting. And like, to me, that was the first proper protest in Malta. It was also the first time that we were able to look at a politician in the face and tell him, you are corrupt and you shouldn't be standing by this. To me, it was just outrage that they held in for two whole years. Because in the last two years, I think protests were maybe a bit too civilized. And not that we should have violent protests, but just civil disobedience, you know, where you go to a protest and you feel it was meaningful and you feel that the person it was directed to is going to go home and think about it. What did you want him to think about when he went home? What I would have wanted him to say, or at least to think about when he got home after being in, jailed in that car for 45 minutes surrounded by angry people, was to think, what am I doing? Have I taken any wrong decisions? Have I put myself in a situation I shouldn't have put myself? And that might have not happened, you know, because that same night, he still ordered the flowers and banners to be removed from the memorial, as he does every single month. But... He definitely felt that sense of embarrassment, even if he says that he'll always stand by the prime minister. Which he did the following day. Which he did the face, following day. But Facebook. a sense of embarrassment and a bit of shame. Mm. I have no doubt he felt. And I think that the lack of resignations and the lack of accountability partly comes from us because we are not a culture that protests, we're not a culture that challenge, that question. So as the years pass by, politicians notice that they can get away with almost anything. And the police might or might not do anything, but the people are always going to stay quiet because of their job, because of the people they know, because Malta is such a small island and you'll be called out for it. The following day, we met Simon Buzatil, an MP with the opposition Nationalist Party. I think yesterday was a defining moment for our country. He led the Nationalist Party when the Panama Papers broke and he ran on an anti-corruption platform against Muscat in the 2017 general election. The feeling was a feeling that I've never experienced before. There was a feeling of anger mixed with a feeling of hope. It was a feeling that was electrifying, but it was also a feeling that was in some ways untested, never experienced, and uh, emotions were running very high. The assassination was a turning point in our democracy. In my first reaction, 
immediately after the assassination, I had said that this was uh, not just the murder of one person, but this was a mortal blow for our own democracy. So we wanted to make sure, and when I say we, I mean people uh, not necessarily attached to political parties, although I am myself, but also people from civil society, normal citizens, who didn't want this to go away, to be forgotten, and who were uh, resisting strenuous attempts on the part of the government to make us forget. And yesterday it felt like what we had been saying all along and what we believe believed to be the truth all along was actually proven right. That had a good feeling, but uh, we now want the consequences to be carried. So the story doesn't end with Fennec. I mean, what specifically do you think should happen next? Well, Jürgen Fennec is not any person, and it's important to understand who this man is. I think that the significance of yesterday's arrest uh, goes beyond uh, the actual arresting of the mastermind or the alleged mastermind of the assassination. Because it turns out that this person has already been caught paying kickbacks to the Prime Minister's very own Chief of Staff and to the Prime Minister's very own Top Minister, all three of them together being directly and personally involved in the most important political electoral pledge that got them into power in the first place in 2013. And that was the building of a new power station in a bid, so-called bid, to reduce the, the tariffs and water and electricity bills effectively. This is where it all started. Yeah. They built this power station and this power station is owned by the mastermind, or the alleged mastermind, the person arrested for ordering the assassination of Daphne. So it all links in. This man who ordered Daphne's killing is the same man who has been paying money, kickbacks, illegal money, corrupt and dirty money, to the Prime Minister's friends. So the consequences should be clear. I mean, what do you see the Prime Minister doing next? Over the past three and a half years since the Panama Papers revelations were made, it's, it's, it's felt like we have been knocking against a wall, trying to break it down without actually knowing how thick the wall is. So we haven't heard the end of the story, I'm quite sure. Buzitil wasn't understating things. It had been an exhausting week and there was so much more still to come. We went back home to Bidnia for some air. This is the first day this week, so it's Sunday, that we're not out, we're not running around Valletta or wherever else, and we're at home in Bidnia, in our garden, thinking about everything that's happened over the past four or five days. And it's just extraordinary when you stop to think that we've seen Jorgen Fenech ask for a presidential pardon in exchange for presumably more information on people he worked with in ordering my mother's assassination. We've seen the world look at Malta in horror at what's happening. And it's, 
it really feels strange, you know, because things just carry on. You go out in Valletta and people are still sitting at cafes, the courts are still running. So tomorrow night we're going to another protest outside Parliament and I really don't know what's going to happen. And in all this, you know, the Prime Minister maintains that there are no political links. It's just completely, completely absurd. The situation is desperate, were Daphne's words, and that's what it is. I, I, I'm lost for words when you ask me a question, because if I start, I will never stop. Daphne, the crooks are coming out. Their situation is getting desperate. I've eaten at Daphne's house, and just to have been amongst her presence and to have spoken with her, she was, she was such a, an amazing person. And a lot of people hated her in this country just because she was seeking the truth. So yesterday, when you heard so many people chant her name, and you start to think about the fact that, yeah, she was a friend, a sister, a wife, a mother, and a person who everyone knew just because she really wanted to help our country. It gives you, it gave me shivers. And there was a point when I just started crying in the protest. And like, it's just, it's just crazy that we're in this situation and that we have to stop and think that this woman was murdered for the sake of our country. If justice was served long before then her life wouldn't have been taken and that's the scariest part of it all that they would go to such extremes to hide what they've done over that week things started moving really quickly we woke up to the news quite early this morning that last night under interrogation Jorgen Fenech implicated Keith Gembry the moment we have been calling for since the assassination. The arrest of Keach Cambry for murder. We just got to Valletta now, so this was all happening on the way in. By the time we got to the office, we heard that Keach Cambry resigned, which for Malta is a pretty extraordinary thing. I can't even remember the last time a politician resigned because of their involvement in some scandal, let alone the second most senior staff member of government. It also follows the news that late last night, Schembri met with the Prime Minister. So journalists saw his car pull out outside Joseph Muscat's house in the middle of the night where they had a secret meeting. It's looking like now there may be a domino effect. So I met, before coming to Malta, a former judge in the criminal courts who said that once one domino falls, the others start falling, and I think we may be seeing that now. Sure enough, Conrad Mitzi resigned just a few hours after Keach Cambry, but the focus remained firmly on the Prime Minister's former Chief of Staff. My brother Matthew couldn't believe the news about Schembri, and so he drove to his villa in Santa Maria Estate. All large villas, swimming pools and expansive gardens. And Matthew saw with his own eyes police officers carrying Schembri's laptops, documents and boxes out of his villa. 
Of all the people implicated in this, Shkembri was the one I least expected to collapse, because he was so powerful and so close to Joseph Muscat. Two and a half years after we gave Shkembri's name to the police, he finally falls, and I can't believe that I was in Malta for that moment. You're probably wondering where Muscat was in all this. He refused to react to the news about Shkembri, but only a few hours earlier had thanked and praised him for his service. We were finally getting to the full truth. It was looking like an EU member state sponsored the assassination of a journalist, its own citizen. So we've just finished a night of protesting outside Parliament and then outside the Prime Minister's office. My producer, Gary, is a bit upset because I was just too angry to speak. And as I was throwing eggs and coins at government ministers' cars, he put a microphone in my face (laughs) and asked me what I'm doing. Uh, And I thought, not now, Gary. (laughs) Not now, Gary. But we are three hours later sitting down. I think the point at which people were most angry is when one of the speakers mentioned a piece of news that broke actually while people were protesting, which is that police found that Keech Kembri, the Prime Minister's Chief of Staff, was in constant communication with Jorgen Fenech all throughout the murder investigation. Kembri actually spoke to Jorgen Fenech a few hours before Fenech tried fleeing the country, presumably to warn him. How does it feel to hear everyone chanting your mum's name and being here in support of her? I think it's it's good. It's it's the first sense of real hope and justice that I've felt in two years. And that feels good, but there's a part of me that's angrier than I have ever been. I mean, again, I was so angry at a point I just couldn't talk. I couldn't even shout. To think that this whole time, in the years leading up to her assassination and the two years after it, they still continued suing us. They sued her, they continued suing us after she died. They kept denying it, they kept accusing us of defaming them. They said that Matthew had a hand in her assassination. They said we're crazy. They said we're totally wrong. They said we're corrupt. And to see them now, one by one, fall and rat on each other, it just, more than anything, makes me angry, I think. I'm f- I'm, I can't, I find it hard to express how angry I am. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Things quickly picked up again. Muscat called an emergency cabinet meeting. He locked down his office. It was surrounded by dozens of police officers and thugs. Matthew was outside with a group of protesters calling on the government to come out and explain themselves. By this point it was 2am. I was at home in Bidnia. I saw a video on Facebook of Matthew speaking outside Muscat's office. We have no idea. There's a complete information blackout. We know nothing. My family knows nothing. The journalists know nothing. The police released a statement on Facebook, one sentence. We investigated Keach Kembri, found no evidence, and released him. And they want us to believe that shit. I took my father's car and drove there to meet him. And when I got there, an official emerged to say that Muscat would be calling a press conference. Matthew was kept out. No press guard, they said, as they always did with our mother. But I had one, and I went in. It was a farce. 3am, a shaky-looking cabinet lined up behind Muscat, each minister looking like they had just seen a ghost, each one with a forced smile. And Muscat presenting an image of unity. I have made a very firm commitment that I want this case to close under my watch. I think the authorities have already delivered what many thought could not be delivered. That is major breakthroughs in the investigation. My job is to see this investigation concluded. Behind the scenes, Muscat had lost control. In that meeting, one minister broke down, crying. Another told Muscat that he's ruined. The rest said that they were horrified by Shkembri's alleged involvement. But in the press conference room, in front of us journalists, Muscat didn't let his cabinet ministers speak. He answered three questions and then left the room quickly and then hurried his cabinet ministers out. At this point, we were all herded towards the door of the room. But before we could get out, a group of thugs entered and locked the doors. Who are you? Security services. There we were, right in the heart of the Prime Minister's office, locked in by a group of thugs. I lost it. This is, this is not fucking acceptable. Who is this man? Who, who the fuck are you? Minutes come, please. Minutes come, please. A few hours later, Fennec, after multiple rounds of interrogation, 
was finally charged with funding and organising my mother's murder. Our birthdays are two days apart. I turned 31 while throwing coins at governing party MPs leaving parliament. And Fennec turned 38 in a prison cell. And then Muscat, so high and mighty just a few days earlier, finally announced his resignation in a bitter, pre-recorded, televised address. He didn't mention my mother's name once. And then, in his farewell speech to the party faithful, he said that he had paid the highest price for her murder. Muscat finally stepped down in January. The country sighed in relief. For those weeks, business in Malta collapsed. Mental health organisations put out warnings, saying the political crisis is a national health crisis. Muscat, who's still an MP and has more ambitious plans in politics, continues to deny that he had any knowledge of the plot to assassinate my mother or that he participated in the cover-up, along with his closest aides. Malta's biggest test now is whether Muscat himself will continue to roam free, corrupting our country further, or whether he will face justice for the trail of devastation he leaves in his wake. As for Konrad Mitzi, he's faded into the background as a backbench MP, but not before his own ministry gave him a consultancy package that paid him more than his ministerial salary. Keith Kembri, meanwhile, is out of police custody, but remains under investigation for homicide and evidence tampering. Since Jorgen Fenech's arrest, there have been protests more or less every day, sometimes multiple times. People have blocked main roads, they have besieged Parliament, blocking MPs inside, and they have besieged the Prime Minister's office. They have thrown eggs and coins at ministers and at the Prime Minister himself to chants of shame, mafia and assassini. It was this, above all else, that surprised me. A country with no tradition of civil society protests, finally breaking out of the partisan trap and taking hold of its future. It's been a journey. We're all tired of the two years of fighting. But seeing now the extent of what Muscat has done to our country, to my mother, we're angrier than ever. The protests will continue until we have justice and change, and until we build a Malta where this can never happen again. What hope for that Malta do I have? I sometimes think that like my mother, for whom a truly democratic Malta always drifted in and out of view until she was killed, I'll also be let down. Details about her murder are now emerging in court, and I feel sick when I hear them. I wonder whether a society can ever climb out of this, but I remind myself, in these moments, that my mother never lost hope. And neither should we.
And Abel, I just sat down and wrote something out. I had been writing purely as a hobby for many years before that, since I was at school. I love, I love it. I mean, it's one of my, I suppose, it's as with artists, it's a compulsion to write. And I offered it to the editor of a Sunday newspaper, the Sunday Times, and, and to my great surprise, he accepted it and actually paid me for it. And I thought, well, this is quite remarkable. I think I carry on. For now, let this be a lesson that corruption kills, that evil will always win unless you fight it, and that one woman and a laptop, as they called her, can change everything. My mother's murder is written by me, Paul Carana Galizia. The producer is Gary Marshall. Original music by Tom Kinsella. The executive producer is Kerry Thomas. Vincent Muscat, Alfred De Giorgio, George De Giorgio, and Jorgen Fenech have been charged with my mother's assassination. They have all pleaded not guilty. Fennec has requested multiple presidential pardons for the crime. Keach Kembry and Conrad Mitzi deny allegations that they use their offshore companies for kickbacks. Conrad Mitzi denies any association with the company 17 Black. Joseph Muscat denies that he had any prior knowledge of the assassination. The homicide investigation and criminal proceedings are ongoing. Hello, I'm James Harding. I'm one of the founders of Tortoise. Stories like Daphne's about power, about injustice and corruption, these stories deserve to be told. I'd say they really have to be told. But of course, they take time, they take commitment and skill in a way I hope you'll appreciate Paul has shown. And if you've been as concerned as I think many of us have been by what you've heard in this series, then please do become a member of Tortoise. It's the best possible way to support us. You can join us today at tortoisemedia.com slash friend and use the code POD50. That's Tortoise Media, all one word, forward slash friend, and the code is POD50. And one other thing. I'd like to thank Paul for making my mother's murder. It's a story which matters enormously, but it's simply impossible for any of us to imagine what it's taken for him to report on it in the way that he has. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.